Welcome to the podcast. My name is Pastor Jeff Christensen, and I'm teaching for Calvary Chapel University a topic called church government or governance. And we are going to look at functioning, how the church should function as a theocracy. We're going to talk a little bit about that. It's in the systematic theologies as ecclesiology. And although there is an entire uh, course on that subject. We're gonna we're gonna break it down here in this episode, in several episodes of this podcast uh, for your listening pleasure. God bless you. Glad you're listening. Let me go through the outline just quickly, and uh, we're gonna look at the three basic forms: Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Congregational. Basic forms of church government that has developed over the over the centuries, over the years, within church history here in America. And we'll look at uh, the title elder, overseer, bishop, pastor are synonymous. They're describing the same office, same person in the Bible. Take a look at those things. We'll look at how Israel was a theocracy in the Old Testament. So we'll look at a description of the Old Testament, how God ruled his people primarily through a man named Moses and then we'll take a look at the epistles in the New Testament, Jesus as the head of the church. And we'll take a look at that. And then we'll look uh, and spend some time here on pastor teachers, God's primary leadership instrument under shepherds leading under the chief shepherd, as we see in first Peter chapter five. And there's a lot of safeguards, a lot of warnings that we'll, we'll talk about along the way in this podcast. Looking forward. We'll see you on the inside. We're taking a look at form of church government functioning as a theocracy. And I want to introduce it with 1 Peter chapter 5. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. A picture of our chief shepherd and the flock and where we as leaders fit in comes out beautifully in this verse, in this passage of scripture. First Peter 5, 1 through 4. We want to anchor our thinking there. Seems to all kind of be encapsulated there. So we're going to talk a little bit about the form of church government and that it's misunderstood by many. And not saying you under misunderstand it, not saying everybody misunderstands church government, but there seems to be a general misunderstanding in what are the basic forms that have developed and and think of this, these are developed by man's best wisdom. And so nothing in the Bible is going to say this one's better than that one necessarily. So we want to take a look at it and, um, you know, let's, let's begin with Episcopalian form of government. And then we'll talk about Presbyterian and congregational. Those seem to be the, the common forms. Uh, of church government. And then we're going to apply a theocracy and test it there. 
Uh, and right off the top, I want to not infer, I want you to be sure with me that the church with Episcopalian, Presbyterian, or congregational uh, form of church government, it isn't saying anything that we're doing in this study, saying these kinds of governments cannot be used of God. Because within those forms, anytime there's a reality of a theocracy applied, God works. In other words, where God is in charge, leading, guiding in those forms of government. Um, and so, uh, and you know, the reason most churches very, uh, don't function as a theocracy, very few do is because there's a developed form of church government tradition, and it's a blend of many different things picked up somewhere, somewhat from, you know, the world by watching the world. And then biblical words and scripture and tradition and church world. And and so there's a misunderstanding often. And uh, let's, let's go ahead and dive in and take a look at this. So to, just to clarify, many are misunderstanding church government because typically what they're looking at is an admixture of things that are not found in the scriptures and it builds a government and people say, well, we have the right church government and you have the wrong one. And so there's some misunderstanding there that I'd hope to uh, discuss with you. And I've been discipled in this arena. Um, and I've been discipled by different pastors outside of the Calvary chapels in some of my early years of ministry, uh, Dallas seminary style where, uh, where, you know, and, and friends of other churches that I'm, I'm part of, I've sat on the board of directors and I've seen a variety of church government. And I'd like to say that as long as the, the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling and working among them, God works on that. And I certainly don't have church government down at all. I mean, I pastor a church. Uh, I know, uh, how to write up my my theological statements, but you know it's a lot messier doing it in real life than the way the Bible teaches. And so I understand why there's sometimes um, accountability in different forms of church government. So just to clarify that I'm coming to you as a as a Bible studier and a disciple. I'm a lifelong student and learner of the things of God, the biblical theology that unfolds as I grow in my relationship with the Lord and in my knowledge of the word and in the um, discerning opening of my heart and eyes by the Holy Spirit, I have not come to the full uh, conclusion and am by no means uh, smarter and you probably already know that by now than any of the books that I read or the authors that write on these topics. And so the study of ecclesiology is much broader and bigger. I'm just going to give a, a real um, uh, quick overview in, in a few hours on this topic. And I'm not going to correct anybody as I go through this. I'll just point out warnings 
because there's a lot of great men of God that walk in these different ways of church government. And I'm also going to just point out where I believe Calvary Chapel has a healthy form of church government, as long as the men that are in that um, function are functioning in in gifting and servanthood and by the Holy Spirit. And so um, how do we as a local group of churches function with Jesus the head uh, where he's free to lead and speak into the ministry and direct it and where people are free to use their gifts. A lot of that's fun. A lot of that is affected by church government. So I'm not going to disagree with a lot of people. Uh, There's also other forms of church government. I'm just going to say, what do the scriptures have to see on this subject? Let the Bible lead. These are major um, important decisions as church planters, as church leaders. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings along the way. And I want to just look at the scripture. What does the scripture say? And let's not carry a lot of uh, worldly views into church government or human, humanistic ways uh, that we can often learn from the world. So the first bullet point, Episcopalian, or the bishops or the overseers, misunderstood, misunderstood by many in the three basic forms of church government. We're going to take a look at uh, pastoral epistles, of course. First Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires... A good work, episkopos, the Greek word for bishop or overseers. Episkopos is the word. Um, kind of an English transliteration. Uh, episcopi, to look into, to peer into. Uh, it's an idea of watching over another or as a watchman, uh, to look upon in order to see how one is or to visit. Um, even speaking of a sick or afflicted person or to look after, to help or benefit another. So the episkopos is an overseer. First Timothy 3.1 is the term translated bishop or overseer. Bishop is a biblical term for church leader. And so now when you think of an Episcopalian type bishop, um, it isn't really accurately describing what you see in the scriptures. So we want to kind of take a look at that. Uh, Titus 1, 7, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Titus 1, 7 also uses the word episkopos, same Greek word as in 1 Timothy 3, 1, bishop or overseer. Um, And I think it's important uh, one who sees over or has oversight over the church as a whole, the whole local church is contrasted with a, a, a deacon who will take care of like a specific area, like uh, Acts chapter six, getting food to the widow's tables or something like that. So episcopus, episcopos, um, and out of this word episcopos translated bishop, overseer, the Episcopalian form of church government developed. Episcopalian, a fully developed hierarchy of leadership. You have the uh, you have the church, and then you have some church officers or deacons and elders, and then you have uh, in the Episcopalian church a vicar or a priest, regional overseers, bishops, cardinals, all that. Um, kind of like Roman Catholic, all the way up to the 
Pope sort of thing, the Episcopalian um, or Episcopal. And so a very tightly developed form of church government, a hierarchy, and kind of a human tradition attaching with certain biblical terminology. And so as we go further, I just wanted to talk about this first approach, this hierarchy of leadership, the Episcopalian, they take from this word Episcopos right here in Titus and in First Timothy seven or First uh, Timothy three and Titus one seven, and that's an approach you don't see in Scripture. It kind of goes against the Scripture when you have this hierarchy of leadership. Let's look at a warning here, Matthew chapter twenty, twenty five to twenty eight. But Jesus called them to himself and said. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise over authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if you watch over them, don't lord over them as the rulers of the Gentiles do. And in the ancient Greek and Roman cultures, the rulers would lord over the people in those pagan cultures around them. Um, in the false god systems, uh, there were often priests and they had a political structure and they manipulate the government and the people. And so the Pharisees were like that in Jesus' time. The church is not to be that way. The leaders are considered, where the leaders are considered greater than the flock, we're not supposed to be that way. Kind of, uh, it's not to be like a secular government or secular religious system of hierarchy where the ruler becomes larger and greater than the flock. Uh, we're not to use, they're not to use their position to become powerful, lording it over the people. Where do you see this? The Roman Catholic Church Throughout church history, the Middle Ages, into the Reformation at times, even today in our own time. Um, and the picture in Scripture, though, is of biblical leadership that speaks of servanthood, not a hierarchy of authority, kind of an inverted hierarchy. We're not trying to climb over one another and up a ladder, you know. Um, and so there's a hierarchy system in the Episcopal church government. And, um, and so you want to function as not that way. It can work well. And, you know, I mean, be surprised how often God works in spite of man's systems. It can even work amazingly well, but it's not the way the Bible teaches. The, God is interested though He's not a Pharisee. He's interested in using people, reaching people, helping people, loving people, having mercy on people, having grace on people. And often he reaches people regardless of the institutions that man puts into place. And so it's about people's hearts and who are involved, really, um, because whether the leader is operating in that form of church government and he's saved and he's following the direction of the Lord and he's filled with the Spirit, there can be a good work of God. But you just don't find the Episcopalian 
form of government in the scripture. It's really simple. Jesus puts it this way. One is your master and all the rest of you all are brothers. Kind of two levels, God and us. That's how simple it is. And uh, then we ask the quote, well, where does leadership fit in? And I think when we get a little bit further, we'll talk more about leaders. We're on the same level, but leaders just have a different role uh, than we might have if we're not in leadership. Uh, But we're all brothers. We're all sheep. He's the shepherd. And if we want to put leaders in a, in a flock and shepherd pitcher, we're to be pressing on in the same level with the rest hard after the shepherd. But, uh, uh, you know, let me help you follow that shepherd. Come on. There he is. Let's go this way. It's kind of a view of biblical leadership. The Episcopalian, a fully developed hierarchy, kind of cuts against the fact leaders and the people are pressing on at the same level. There's a fully developed hierarchy not showed in the scripture. And so we are uh, beginning there. The biblical model is servant leadership. Uh, next, let's take a look at the Presbyterian or rule by the elders, certain kinds of traditional church government. We're going to go to Acts 14.23. 